Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 25, following along with lesson 24, Alma chapters 13 to 16. And today I am joined by a special guest, Cameron Martin. A.K.A. Cam Cam, or A.K.A. Uncle Cam, or A.K.A. that one guy that shows up to things and no one knows if he was actually invited. (laughs) That's me. That's right. So, Cameron, thank you for joining me today, and uh, we're going to get into the lesson. So, in the introduction, it says, In many ways, life in Ammonihah had been good for both Amulek and Zeezrom. Amulek was a man of no small reputation, with many kindreds and friends, and much riches. Zeezrom was one of the most expert among the lawyers and enjoyed much business. Then Alma arrived in Ammonihah with a divine invitation to repent and enter into the rest of the Lord. For Amulek, Zeezrom, and others, accepting this invitation required sacrifice and even led to almost unbearable adversity. But of course, the story doesn't end there. In Alma 13-16, we learn what ultimately happens to those who believe in the power of Christ unto salvation. Sometimes there's deliverance, sometimes healing, and sometimes things don't get any easier in this life. But always the Lord receiveth his people up unto himself in glory. Always the Lord grants power according to our faith, which is in Christ. And always that faith on the Lord gives us hope that we shall receive eternal life. As you read these chapters, you can take comfort in these promises, and you may come to understand better what Alma meant when he spoke of the rest of the Lord. Uh, Cameron, anything stand out to you in the introduction that that, uh, you had thoughts on at all? I'm just excited to get to know Zeezrom and Amulek. I uh, I love this part where it says sometimes things don't get any easier in this life. I don't actually love that part, but it was something that made me reflect on. I was like, well, that's not exactly hopeful, but um, I know there's been times in my life for sure where I was like, why are things not getting any better? And uh, and obviously in this story, we'll find out for people that it didn't. Yep. Um, and then I like that line, always the Lord grants power according to our faith, which is in Christ. I like that promise. Um, all right, so in the first section, ideas for personal scripture study in the first chunk, it says, priesthood ordinances help me receive redemption through Jesus Christ. Um, and that's actually a long one, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, no. In your studies, was there, what kind of stood out to you? I've got, my part I liked was verse 3 down here. Mm-hmm. But what about you? Um, in just chapter 13? Yeah, and just this... Uh, you know, this priesthood ordinance has helped me receive redemption through Jesus Christ. Yeah, nothing super stood out to me. Um, obviously, the priesthood has a huge impact in everybody's life. That's, I mean, I don't know what else to add to that. The priesthood no, yeah. is pretty, pretty powerful. I like, so what I said with, uh, with verse 3, it says, Priesthood holders were prepared for their responsibilities from the foundation of the world. And um, I'm actually going to read that specific verse. So it says... Okay, this verse 3, buckle up. It's a big one. But it says, And this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works. 
in the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith are called with a holy calling, yea, with that holy calling which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. And I love that first part, the uh, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God. Um, something I took away from this was like, what, what this stands out to me is that it, in the pre-mortal world, it means that we would have had to be given the opportunity to exercise faith and exercise our agency. Um, because how could, how could we, you know, be blessed according to our faith and good works that hadn't happened yet? Other than it does talk about the foreknowledge of God, but I also think that in the pre-mortal world, we would have been doing things, acting on our agency, acting on our faith that would have enabled us to be blessed further. Um, there's a quote from it's, it's right here it's in the it's in the the lesson the lesson um, <laughs> at least I thought there was a quote Might be uh, it's it's a it's a former apostle or prophet um, and he's oh. just saying you know everyone's been foreordained or um, everyone's been assigned some kind of task before coming. Yeah, there it yep. is by Spencer W. Kimball. Yeah. Um, then that's, I mean, that's awesome. Just everybody living has had something foreordained in their life. Um, and that's that's the frustration of life, right? It's trying to figure <laughs> out what the heck that is because God won't just straight up tell us. We have to figure that out, even though we wish he would. Yeah. Well, and I know there's definitely been times in my life where, well, constantly actually, just on certain bit. But like where I'll be praying for an answer to something, I'll be like, just tell me what you want me to do. Like, yeah. Why do I have to waste time? Just tell me and I'll just do it. And uh, it's funny because then when I start acting on the faith, right, and I start to figure out certain things along the way, but then I start to have a vision of what I think it is. And then it's like when I have a vision, I start to get excited. That's when God steps in. And he's like, no, no, that's not right. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, then why didn't you just tell me so I didn't waste time doing it? You know, yeah. it's like. Here I am down the road now. I feel like I've made a bunch of mistakes and like you could have just told me from the get-go. Yeah, and then I just would have done the right thing from from the beginning. From day one. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess that's the frustration of faith, but also the journey of faith yeah. as well. I uh, it's interesting the question it says on this first chunk still it says how were priests of Nehor's order different from the priests ordained after the order of the son of God whom Alma described? And uh, something I was thinking about there, obviously with those of the priests of Nehors, they weren't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily call them out as being that. It talks about being lawyers, being um, masters of the law and things like that. I know that in my home ward, we had a ton of uh, lawyers and stuff, and there was always jokes during Sunday school at the lawyer's expense. <laughs> and I always was like, man, they must feel really awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> like, Probably, yeah. You know? And in our current ward right now, there's the same thing. We have a lot of... Uh, lawyers and attorneys and they'll like come at each other in jest but i'm always like not all attorneys and lawyers are bad but they seem to be the ones in the book of mormon at least that get called out quite a bit um it's true but it's interesting to me how with the priests of nehors uh they weren't necessarily like that wasn't their designated name same as like you know in our church obviously we have elders and, and such but theirs was to get gain primarily like they were after money but i was just thinking of what the things we go with uh people who might follow after the order of nehor today and it's not always necessarily to get gain sometimes it's just to get like political advantage um 
to subject a different group of people to themselves and things like that. And I think we're seeing that all over the world where, uh, you know, someone puts their own desires to get gain over the benefit of man. Yeah. And it's tricky. That's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I mean, you know, well, and, and even then we're going to see one of these lawyers make a full change in his life. And, one of the many we see it all the time in the scriptures actually with Alma and Alma and even Paul um, mm -hmm. I think you could compare Paul to to the priest of Nehor he was lawyer E and mm -hmm. you know he had a bad beginning of his life and and changed completely to, to completely dedicate his entire life to God so that's you know even if even if you're a bad bad guy and a bad lawyer you can <laughs> you can change you can change <laughs> yeah that's right all lawyers have a chance that's right <laughs> it's not too late for you <laughs> <laughs> and uh so in the second chunk it says our priesthood holders the only people called and prepared from the foundation of the world and we've already sort of yeah. touched on this right and yeah. and uh it it even specifically talks about verse three being the uh the verse that this is based off of but I like that quote that you were talking about. The specific quote from Spencer W. Kimball says, In the world before we came here, faithful women were given certain assignments, while faithful men were foreordained to certain priesthood tasks. While we do not now remember the particulars, this does not alter the glorious reality of what we once agreed to. Um, you've already talked about a little bit. What do you think about all that? I I mean, he, he says kind of what we talked about. Is we don't know what it is. We don't know the actual particulars of of what that task or, or um, duty is, but it's our responsibility to to do it anyways, to try to figure out what we need to do and and do it. Yeah, I uh, I feel like it's really difficult to be able to get a vision, you know, mm -hmm. for what we had already agreed to sometimes. But I know, you know, we have like patriarchal blessings, yeah. we have priesthood blessings. Um, Yes, just yesterday I was talking to my mom and she was telling me about an email she had received from my great grandma uh, who's passed now but my mom had found this email and, and had read it and it, I guess in the email my great grandma had talked about me and just like the future she saw for me and my mom was sharing some of those things and that helped me you know to one remember my relationship with my great grandma who um, has been gone for several years but like was a dear friend of mine but also just, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have encouragement from someone you look up to who says they believe you can be, like, something great. Yeah. And so I was really glad my mom called me and, and shared that with me because sometimes it's easy to forget, like, uh, that we're destined for godhood. Yeah. Uh, for greatness, you know. Like, we go through our normal life or, you know, like, where we're both at in our careers sort of thing where... We're not exactly on the top rung of the executive no. floor, <laughs> you know, and like sometimes it can feel like I'm never, at least for me, um, it can feel like I'll always be on the bottom rung. And just to remember that this is like life is meant to be a stepping stone progression, but also uh, keep that vision of where we can end up. And it doesn't need to be an executive C-suite level type mm -hmm. thing, but uh, certainly destined for more than just writing stories for a university. I love my job. I love my job, but like, I don't want this to be my job forever. <laughs> yeah, of course not. You know. And, and, you know, I would say we don't, 
we don't have to fulfill the entire foreordained task right now, tomorrow. Like, I think, I don't know, you don't really issue challenges on your podcast, but... No, but... But, like, I would say if, if you're struggling with this, then a good idea is to, to pray about what you can do right now, what you can do this week to get you closer to, to this foreordained task and study and, and do your scripture study and, and pray about it. And something will come up, something that will come up that you, whether it's helping a friend in need or whatever it is, it, something will come up that you can do to get you one step closer. Yeah, and I, I like that one. Well, like you said, I don't normally issue challenges, but like, why don't we start right now? So that's a challenge from Cameron. And uh, I agree if that's something you struggle with. I think that's something I'm going to take on, actually. I accept that challenge because uh, that's something I've been struggling with lately is trying to figure out what am I for, foreordained to do or to become. And So yeah, I think that's a good call. Sure. Excellent challenge. Thank you. Yeah, and if, and if you don't do it, then... You have to give up your podcast. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let someone else take it over. Yeah. Flynn. Yeah. Flynn will do a better job. Yeah. <laughs> he's more righteous than I am, at least until he's eight. Um, so in the next chunk, Alma 14, it says, Sometimes God allows the righteous to suffer. And uh, this is short enough. So it says, Alma 14 tells of righteous people who suffered and even died because of their beliefs. You might wonder, as many do, why terrible things happen to people who are trying to live righteously. You may not find all the answers to this difficult question in Alma 14, but there is much to learn from the way Alma and Amulek responded to the situations they faced. What do their words and actions teach you about why the Lord sometimes allows righteous people to suffer, and what do you learn from, from them about facing persecution? Um, well, obviously, yeah, I, I like the part where it's like, you know, what do their words and actions teach you about that question mm-hmm. about why sometimes the righteous suffer. And I've said this in a previous podcast, like back when we were studying in second Nephi, but I was at a BYU football game. I think I might've been with you actually. Uh, but we were, I had been, we were losing and I kept crying out into the crowd. Why do bad things happen to good people? Sure. And it was like a joke. I was making yeah. a joke about it, but then some, of course we're at BYU. <laughs> so some scriptorian <laughs> in the football stadium turns around and shoots it was probably this scripture at me, Alma 14. I, at the, it could have been Second Nephi, you know, 9. or There's a few. Yeah, yeah like, I'm sure. But I just remember he turned around and, like, shouted the scripture at me. And it was, like, essentially this answer. Like, it's part of the plan of salvation. And it's part of God's plan for us. Didn't really help us in that football game, but. No, it didn't. <laughs> uh, hardly ever. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I wonder how many people in life this is the question that really shakes faith yeah right? a, a, a lot of people like this is one of the biggest faith shaking questions but also faith building answers that you can find and and we all ask ourselves that from time to time why does this good person suffer when these other people aren't suffering as much as them but yeah. you know why why does god allow terrible horrible things to happen to good people that's it's a tough question and there's some good answers in this this chapter and then other great answers in other scriptures throughout all the scriptures i think you're absolutely right where this question seems to be one that definitely like tears people down pretty bad especially when it's like they're going through something hard Mm -hmm. you know i uh like i can think of a few people right now in recent memory that like have 
fallen away or fallen out of activity or uh, just made like critical life changes where I don't even really recognize the person they are right now. And I, I haven't asked them directly or anything. Um, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I didn't, wasn't reaching out in a time of critical need for them and should have been asking, are you okay? But I, if I'm just reading like, you know, between the lines of what's been happening in their lives, at least from what I'm aware of, they've been going through some like seriously traumatic things. Yeah. And uh, like one person lost a family member, um, lost her mom actually. And uh, it just seems like a bunch of other things in her life happened that all of a sudden now she, I don't even recognize who she is at all. And, yeah. uh, and that's been tough. And I know I've heard this, like how could God be God if he allows such suffering to occur, you know? Absolutely. And so I, I agree. I think it's one of those questions that we all have to figure out a way to comprehend. I do think, see, I love the answers that comes from Alma 14. Mm -hmm. But it's funny. I think sometimes just because it's the right answer for us right now in our life. Um, the, I had an old bishop who his wife died. And, you know, people would come up to him at the funeral and, would kind of tell them things that they thought were maybe sensitive or the right thing to say at that moment. But it was essentially like, well, you know, she's in a better place. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. I don't really want to hear that right now. Like, <laughs> obviously she's in a better place, but she's not with me. So yeah. thank you for your condolences, but they're not welcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I remember him just saying how difficult it was that he had to stand there at his wife's funeral and people are coming up to him, giving their like condolences to him. Yeah. And it was more of hurtful, right? Like, Sometimes the right answer isn't the right answer in Absolutely. that moment, you know? And uh, I know I've had to learn that. Sometimes I want to give the logical or the appropriate scripture answer to when people are suffering. And I forget the spirit needs to be the one to help guide that correct answer when it's given. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, why does God allow suffering? I think it's a question we all have to kind of figure out for ourselves and sometimes go to through our own suffering, you know? Yeah which is horrible. <laughs> yeah. it, and you're right. It is a question we have to figure out ourselves. But at the same time, Alma gives a pretty awesome answer here. So yeah, absolutely. Amulek like, basically asks him that very question, like, why, why are we allowing this to happen? And then Alma gives an awesome answer. So. For sure. And just the faith of Alma, right? To like, obviously, he was the senior companion. If mm -hmm. this is a missionary yeah, yeah. companionship, like, he was a senior, but... Um, Amulek, who makes like this amazing transformation where one second he's like, yeah, I didn't believe and I ignored the Lord for years yeah. to all of a sudden like, now I believe and I can speak with the power of thunder. Like, yeah, and he's, he's just been arrested for believing and mm -hmm. now he's watching what's happening. I guess we're jumping ahead, but yeah, that's fine. he's like, watching what's happening to these people who also believe they're being thrown into a fire and he's like, why are we allowing this to happen? And I imagine Alma was like, I don't want this to happen. Yeah. Like, hate that we have to allow this to happen but this is the will of god and um and he and even he talks right he says about how he was constrained yeah that the spirit constraineth me mm -hmm. like he couldn't have been constrained if he didn't want to do something exactly you know and uh definitely changes the scripture where on one hand it looks like alma's like a logical person or whatever but really he felt it too yeah you know and just i've and i've also wondered you're right we are jumping ahead except so um but I've always wondered, because they're in Ammonihah, Amulek City. Yes. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, were those some of his family members being thrown into the fire? It's very possible, yeah. You know, I mean, I know it's later it talks about how he was rejected by some of his 
family or he says his father and his yeah. kin. So yeah. So maybe they weren't the ones in the fire. Maybe they were the ones destroyed later. But uh, yeah, I've always wondered who was it that like was there? It was it more than just obviously the tragedy of people burning alive, or was there a very personal like oh my gosh those are some of my best friends that I'm watching being murdered right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So in the next chunk, it says discipleship requires sacrifice. Uh, it might be interesting to make a list of things Amulek gave up to embrace the gospel and compare it to a list of what he gained. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to become a more faithful disciple? And that question kind of hit me in the face where, kind of like the challenge you issued, that was another one where I was like, I need to really ponder and think on this one. Like, what am I willing to give up and sacrifice to be a more faithful disciple? Because I think that's a question that we should constantly be asking ourselves and whatever the answer is work on that thing for a time for a season and hopefully become stronger because we were working on that you remember how president mcdonald used to make us do uh the two goals and a christ-like attribute yes yeah and uh every what six months we go with a new one and stuff um i remember those used to be i used to love those but i also used to not enjoy those because <laughs> like <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> I remember the first time he did it when he first became president and he had everyone do that. I guess a bunch of missionaries came to him with faith as the Christ-like attribute. And he like, right. I, I don't know if you remember this, I, I at his own conference, he was like, all right, you all need to quit coming to me with faith as your Christ-like attribute because how are you going to increase it? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what are you going to do? Missionary service? Congrats. <laughs> Maybe pick a different one. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. Because that, that was just the easy answer. Yeah. yeah. You Absolutely. can always increase your faith by mm -hmm. working. Uh, but did you have any, any thoughts on this uh, discipleship requires sacrifice? Um, not much. I mean, Amulek gave up everything. He, yeah. His house, his family, as it says, and his, his riches. His um, career. Yeah. He was a wealthy guy. I think we learned that in chapter uh -huh. 12. A little bit about Amulek, but... A little before now, maybe chapter 10, actually, maybe what it's telling us. But yeah, um, he was rich. I mean, he had money, and he was of no small reputation, they say. And he gave all of that up because he knew what the right thing to do was. And that's tough. That's tough for some people to do. That would be, that would be difficult for me to do if I had uber amount of money. And luckily, I have nothing to give up. <laughs> so it's, it's simple. But. Nothing left to sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I would have said it was pretty easy just to give up everything. But the more I start to, like, gain, like, we now have a house. Mm -hmm. um, when we had a condo, it would have been easy to give up the condo. But now that we have a home, I've thought about, like, what happens if we're ever required to move or, or like, get some sort of calling. Like, a, we, we put in, you know, a missionary papers to go serve a mission, right, or, or whatever, and we have to leave our home for a time, like, or even sell our home. I'm like, could I do that? And the question gets harder to answer. The more I get settled in life, I feel like, you know, thankfully I'm not too far in my career necessarily where it'd be something that I'd be like, I've worked so hard for decades to get yeah. to this position. Like, no, but. That would make it even harder, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's almost like, it is true. Um, and I always kind of roll my eyes at this, but like, the more you have, the more difficult your life gets, you know? The, the camel through a needle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, 
obviously when you're when you have like financial wealth there are certain difficulties you no longer have yeah right mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways you gain new ones that you never even imagined being difficult right it's uh and i think especially where it's more difficult to be humble i would imagine uh more difficult to i don't know make the gospel a focus because when you have nothing it's really easy to reach out to the lord and say hey i could use you <laughs> you know yeah. when it seems like you have everything all of a sudden you start forgetting like it was god that gave you everything so i don't know yeah. I, it's one of those uh and well, well there was that guy gosh i don't know if they named him but in uh, the new testament where he asked christ what, what does he need to do to yeah to, yeah the young man a follower yeah and christ told him well you have to give up everything you have to yeah. give up all that you have and he he couldn't do it yeah and, and he sheepishly walked away because yeah. he realized he couldn't do it so i mean we, we've got two examples here amulek who did do it yep. and another young man that couldn't and it's it's funny because that the, that example of the young man to christ he literally said he's like i give alms to the poor i give like three times as much as asked of me and i and all these other things but when it came to yeah can you give up your status not even like your because obviously the, it was about your wealth but I feel like for the young man, it was almost like, can you give up your status in life yeah. to follow me? And yeah. he was like, I can't give up that. Yeah. I'll give up everything else. I can't give up that. And, and it's uh, going to show how difficult it is. Yeah. yeah. It's that, I can't remember who, which uh, prophet or apostle gave this talk, but the, it's that example that, can you give up the thing, the box under your bed? There's the box under your mattress where you hold your most like prized or sacred possession and can you take that out and open it up give it to the lord and say this is what i've been withholding from you and it can be anything for anyone it's it's you know it varies from person to person but i was trying to figure out so what am i withholding from the lord at this time in my life you know mm-hmm. is it is it status is it pride is it you know whatever it is and it's always funny how it changes the older i get it changes more and more yeah. Uh, doesn't remain in constant like what it was when I was 16 or whatever you know where it was like time with my friends like I can't, I can give up everything but or video games yeah. <laughs> I'll give up everything but video games I'll go to young men's I'll do whatever just please <laughs> let me keep my level 99 ranking in Call of Duty <laughs> for sure it's the most important thing I mean what am I without my 99 <laughs> ranking so yeah. in the let's move over to the next section uh, ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. So the first chunk in Alma 13, it says, your family might benefit from noting every time the word rest appears in Alma 13. What other words and ideas appear with it? And how does this how does this help us understand what the rest of the Lord might mean? How is it different from physical rest? And it's that question that I really liked. I didn't really, I'm not really going to go through Alma 13 and check out rest, but yeah. I like the question nonetheless. Uh, any thoughts there? I don't have any thoughts there, no. I didn't really go through the family part because, you know, <laughs> I'm alone, so the personal studies my my Your go cup of to. Tea. No, that's fine. So, uh, so I really like the, uh, or or I guess so. I already said that question, but the thing I was thinking about was that I feel like using the word rest is a little bit of like a a tricky, sneaky thing because it's really not rest when you're like on the mission. Think about all the work we did, and we could call that the rest of the Lord, but it was not restful. No, but. Um, I felt more rested on the mission where we were working literally from, you know, what was it? Eight to nine, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Or I guess get out, you get personal study at eight, comp study at nine and out the door by 10. 
Is that, I, I Is that remember, right? I don't remember the schedule, but that sounds pretty close. It's been over like six years, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, but, uh, yeah, like, that type of work, which wasn't, there was like no rest involved, and it was constant for two years, including on Sundays. Yes. But I just think I was more rested, and I feel like it's because obviously the, the difference is when in the rest of the Lord doesn't mean physical rest. What it means is peace, peace in your life. Um, the Lord takes care of everything. Uh, but it's obviously up to us to to be the ones being his hands, acting in his name. So I guess you should say you felt more peaceful. That's true. Because I was exhausted. <laughs> the whole mission. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Never, that's a good point. Felt... I was more peaceful for two years yeah. than I was. <laughs> Be both before and after. Yeah, That's very that true. Sense. Yeah, and of course now with children, I've never gotten rest anyway. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, in the next chunk, Alma thirteen ten to twelve, uh, it gives the the it, you know something where it says you sh- as a family you can wash something together like white clothing and you know discuss how we feel when we are dirty, how do we feel when we become clean, and all these things and. Don't really have anything to add other than it's that that seems like an activity that can be done with children that they'll at least have fun with if nothing else. But I just think it sounds like a really nice way for cheap labor. <laughs> Wash something together. Yeah. Like I know Lex would love it if we had the kids just be doing laundry. Like, hey, this is the family home evening activity. You're gonna wash our our clothes. That's a great idea. That's just, fantastic. You know. Let's well do that. Come follow me, helping us to get our children to do the work we didn't want to do. Um, and then I have nothing to add on, let's see, Alma 15 to 1 through 12, Alma 16, 1 through 10. So neither of those that I have anything additional. But this part where it says improving our teaching, it says, be ready always. Teaching moments pass quickly, so take advantage of when they arise. A tragedy in the world, for example, may be a chance uh, to share principles from Alma 14 about why the Lord sometimes allow the innocent to suffer. And I'm like... These people, whoever whoever in the church was compiling all this, mm-hmm. had no idea how inspired they would be. Where, what are we? We're June tenth yeah. today. Yeah. This is the perfect time for something like this, with everything that's happening in the world and right. you know civil unrest. Alma fourteen, man, that's a perfect answer for a lot of people right now. And I mean, it just goes to show how not just the people that wrote "Come Follow Me" were inspired, but the way Mormon compiled all those books and I mean it all matters today it's very different back then than things are today but everything can we can attribute it to our own lives so absolutely when and what I love is when I'm reading the fact that it feels like um, even though it was different circumstances different culture different society yeah just feels like it's the same things happening today that i mean it's like man alma how do i deal with what's happening in the world right now because you dealt with similar things so what do we do you know how do we communicate with our brothers and sisters how do we reach out to loved ones and and uh even how do we deal with differences of opinion because that's happening a ton right now especially with november looming over the united states yeah you know (laughs) and uh how do we create a world where you don't have to necessarily come to an agreement? You can still be agreeable, though, and and find ways that you agree with your brothers and sisters. Absolutely. So uh, let's hop into the scriptures then, uh, the, the specific stories. Um, and I know you would, were talking to me earlier about how there were things that stuck out to you. 
So I already talked about Alma 13.3. The next one, though, was uh, Alma 13.20. And at any point, like, you can stop me and tell me scriptures that you want me to focus on. So in 20 it reads, Now I need not rehearse the matter. What I have said may suffice. Behold, the scriptures are before you. If you will rest them, it shall be to your own destruction. And that last bit, the if you rest them, it shall be to your own destruction, feels just super powerful in uh, just for my life, for the world at large, that if we start putting our scriptures away or quit putting emphasis on them, like the result 100% will be our own destruction. And... Uh, I don't know. That just a, that woke my soul up. It felt like I was just like, man, that's scary. Yeah, gotta pay a little more attention. <laughs> I I just like how Alma's like, look, I've said enough already about all this. Like I could yeah. go on and on and on, but I don't need to. You get the point. Repent. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Puts it plainly, you know. I and I do love that that speaking style of Alma. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of points where he just like. He's like, all right, here's how it is, and that's all I have to say. Yeah. And we're done there. And, and then the other verse I really liked was in 24. It says, For behold, angels are declaring it unto many at this time in our land. And it goes on, but that's the part that I liked was uh, just that back then, angels were the ones declaring it. Mm-hmm. And I believe angels are declaring the word of God in our time right now. You know, We're not alone in the work of the gospel and that there's a battle waging, raging, waging, being waged and raged on the other side that um, is very much uh, both unseen and seen and I don't know it gives me a lot of hope and peace knowing that we're not alone you know it's not just us working with our friends and family to make sure that we're all receiving the gospel message but that um, obviously there's our ancestors on the other side there's angels people that those that haven't come yet are, are in the Lord's work. We're all in this together kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. And then another one I liked was in 1328. And I feel like this one kind of gives more clarification to another scripture that says, you know, you won't be tempted more than you're able to bear. But this here, it says in 28, but it says, but that you would be, but that you would humble yourselves before the Lord and call on his holy name and watch and pray continually that you may not be tempted above that which you can bear. And it feels like what he's saying is that it is possible then to be tempted above that which we can bear. So that's the importance of praying that we won't be tempted above that which we can bear. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's something you had read or heard before about, you know, that we won't be given more than we can handle. But to me, this feels like it's possible to be given unless we're seeking the Lord's help. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've had um, a friend in my life one time basically tell me that this this exact thing, like, oh, I, I I don't know what I'm trying to say here. What I the ultimate end of my train of thought, so I'm gonna skip everything else because <laughs> yeah. it would just be rambling. Is that there isn't anything we can't bear um, because if if the atonement is real and if we're relying on the atonement to bear everything, then everything is bearable. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, there's nothing that, um, the son of man has descended below them all. Right. Yeah. Christ has overcome everything. So if he has, then through him, we can too. So yeah, that's, you know, that's my belief that yes, we, 
we won't be given um, trials that are that are too difficult, but there isn't anything that we can't bear if we have the right resources, and we do. <laughs> we yeah. have we have the best resource of all time. So, no, absolutely, and I feel like it even gives context to like you know people suffering with uh, depression or anxiety or um, you know where they where it's like you go through this period of time where it's this deep. Uh, like it just feels hopeless, right? Mm -hmm. It's like doesn't it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it just go away or snap your fingers, mm -hmm. right? But like, never lose hope and faith that, that you can overcome whatever the you know the deep well of despair is at that time, you know. Yeah. Um. Um. I, in fact, I'm gonna use Zeezrom here as an example, and we might read about Zeezrom here coming up. But yeah, yeah. So Zeezrom. He wasn't a deep, deep hole of despair. Yeah. He was physically ill because of his despair. Yeah. He was dying yeah. because of how tormented he was that he had sinned so greatly um, and that he thought that he got Amulek and Emma killed. Um, he tried his best to defend them when they got arrested, but no one listened to him. So he was hugely tormented by that um, and suffering. And then when Alma and Amulek came back, they healed him. But I guarantee that wasn't the end of it for him. I guarantee that he still suffered from that. He still had some rough days where he felt terrible for his past, um, which is why Alma is like the perfect uh, friend for him because Alma knows exactly what that's like, and you know he can help him through that. But you know he was healed that one moment, but that wasn't the end of it. He still had torment and troubles throughout the rest of his life. I'm sure. Um, but at that point, he knew where to turn for those. So, absolutely, no, and that's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, in in fourteen verses ten and eleven, and we were having a discussion about this previously, but it's uh, it says, and Amulek saw the pains of the women and children who were consuming in the fire. He also was pained, and he said unto Alma, How can we witness this awful scene? Therefore, let us stretch forth our hands and exercise the power of God which is in us and save them from the flames. But Alma said unto him, The spirit constraineth me that I must not stretch forth my mine hand. For behold, the Lord receiveth them up unto himself in glory, and he doth suffer that they may do this thing, or that the people may do this thing unto them, according to the hardness of their hearts and the judgments which shall which he shall exercise upon them in his wrath uh, may be just, and the blood of the innocent shall stand as witness against them, yea, and, a cry, and cry mightily against them at the last day. Um, and obviously we had been talking about this, but not that this makes the tragedy of what happened to those people easier necessarily. However, it does explain why the Lord would allow it to happen is, is judgment. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it was because they had to be judged for their agency. Yeah. You know, and... And and they and Alma took a little bit of comfort there, knowing that where he says that they would be taken. Um, essentially, God is they're in God's hands now. Yeah, receiveth uh, them up unto Himself in yeah. glory. And and that's I mean that is. That's the only comfort you can take from a situation like that, but that's quite quite the comfort, honestly. It's pretty awesome. Absolutely, when. You know, it's as we were talking about earlier. Like, it makes it tough when we're the ones stuck here in mortality, and everyone else gets to go to the other side to be taken, and we can't see that. Yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. if we could have the veil parted and see it, then I think it would be a real comfort. Obviously, yep. and uh, but I think that's the trial of our faith for those that remain here, is that we have to just trust 
and believe the promises from the scriptures, you know? Yeah. And um, it doesn't make it easy. No. No. <laughs> and then he, you know, obviously he basically is saying God can't take away our agency. So he he's not going to take away the agency of these, uh, these guys that are throwing him in the fire because mm-hmm. he can't do that. He's not going to do that. Even when we wish he would sometimes. Even yeah, absolutely. I'm like, uh, can you take my agency away <laughs> real quick and just make me do the right thing? That's right. <laughs> it's, it's never going to work that way. So, it's um, And I, I also love the fact that Amulek recognized. I mean, I don't know how long he had been like a, a strong elder at this point, but he recognized that they had the power within them yeah. to reach out and save them. And... Uh, you know, I feel like this is in a lot of superhero movies, right? Where it's like they have the power to save, but they know they can't or, or whatever, right? It's that kind of like uh, we could save them, but it would end up causing them more pain or whatever it is. Or, yeah. You know, it's uh, – I feel like that would have been extremely tough on Alma and Amulek, knowing they could, yeah. but they only could because – of God's power, and obviously he, yeah, didn't want them to exercise that power. Yes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Alma fourteen twenty eight, I hate when it does that. <laughs> Technology. It's having a hard time with this phone here. Yeah, every time. Uh, it says, "And Alma and Amulet came forth out of the prison, and they were not hurt, for the Lord had granted unto them power according to their faith, which was in Christ." And this goes back to that promise. Uh, in the lesson, right, that we are granted power according to our faith. And uh, I, that's just an incredible thing to me, that faith is is such an agentive um, power within us. Yes. Like it's, um, it's something I want to understand more and obviously be able to learn uh, because through faith, we have the ability to move mountains, like actually move them, right? But obviously we don't. Yes. And so that, you know, it's because of the confines that the Lord sets is how it works. But, um, you know, like later down the road in the Book of Mormon, when we read about uh, Nephi and third Nephi, I mean, God grants him the sealing powers and he can do whatever. Yeah. It almost seems like he has the ability to teleport places. Yeah. He's just like, boom, I'm there. Right. And, and he grants that because Nephi's will is God's will. So. Nephi won't do anything that that God wouldn't want him to do. So that's and I, I mean these guys. So Alma and Amulek, like they they didn't just immediately decide let's break out of prison real quick yeah. and, and take the whole thing down. Before this, they were they were beaten. And it says that they they were smitten on the cheek. I don't yeah. think that means they were just given a few slaps to the face. I I think they were beaten. Yeah, um, they were starved. It says that they were starved. And deprived they, of water. Yeah. So they, they endured this for a, a while. Yeah. And then they finally showed the power of Christ and used their faith. So they could have immediately broken out and, and done what they did. But they didn't because they knew it wasn't the right time yet. Yeah, it, and, you know, that's also a good point. It almost, the way it's written, um, makes it seem like on the very, like, the last... Uh, lawyer or whatever that slaps them yeah once that action is sealed that's when they all of a sudden the the walls fall down and it was like it was was like them knowing 
that the Lord needed to have the full, I want to make sure every single one has the agency to perform on their actions. Because what if one changes their mind? Like Alma Sr., right, in uh, Noah's court, he obviously converted. If Abinadi would have been standing there and brought the whole temple in on everyone, it would have ruined Alma's ability to become Alma Sr. Alma Jr. wouldn't be here. There were, and Alma Sr. baptized how many people, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And so, you know, there really is something to the fact that, like, the actions have to occur before judgment mm-hmm. can have its full effect. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the world we live in, it increasingly, increasingly seems like people would rather just judge people based off of, yeah. you know, thoughts or whatever. But yes, yeah. that's not how the Lord works. Uh, then uh, two last scriptures that I had was Alma 15, verse 16, and Alma 15, verse 18. Again, I swear. <laughs> so in 16, it says, And it came to pass that Alma and Amulek, Amulek, having forsaken all his gold and silver and his precious things, which were in the land of Ammonihah, for the word of God, he being rejected by those who were once his friends, and also by his father and his kindred. So that we talked about that already, mm-hmm. but... Um, that stands out to me just how difficult that would have been, but he still went forward anyway. And, um, like, could I stand in Amulek's company and feel comfortable? Yeah. Right. Cause but he gave up everything he did, including like what his father thought of him, his friends and his family. And could I do that? You know? Mm-hmm. And then in 18, now, as I, now, as I said, Alma having seen all these things, therefore he took Amulek and came over to the land of Zarahemla and took him to his own house and did administer unto him in his tribulations and strengthened him in the Lord. And I love that. Like Alma did, probably didn't know when he went out on his mission and gets to the city of Ammonihah. Obviously, the first time was horrible for him. Yes. He gets rejected Not by great. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Horrible <laughs> area. And then, you know, he leaves. Angel turns out the same angel that was the one that helped him in his conversion process but tells him to go back. He runs back to Ammonihah. Um, like, did he know that he would meet one of his best friends in life? Yeah. Right, like, and and it's it, it's awesome. It all comes back around because Amulek did the same thing for Alma. Yeah. He brought him into his house and he administered to him. And now Alma's returning the favor. Doing the favor, yeah. Which is awesome. And, uh, you know, and, and just like that, like Amulek, when he would, the angel came to him, he probably didn't know that, hey, this guy's going to be extremely influential on your life not only is he going to be influential you're about to be mission companions and you know this service you're rendering to him he's he's going to render the same to you and you're going to need it right like because yeah. at this point it feels like amulek has nothing yeah he just left his home left his career left left members of his family i don't know if he was married and had kids or not and they came with him or whatever it doesn't give us that information but regardless he yeah. was no longer had anything, yeah. right? Like, and and we know later that his, that city was destroyed, so his family was gone now. So yeah, he has nothing. Everything he had is gone. Yeah, and uh, makes you kind of love these two, you know? Yeah. Um, pretty so that, that's what stuck out to me from this lesson. But but what about you? I want you to make sure the uh, anything that we haven't covered, you get a chance. Uh, no, I I love the the friendship between Alma and Amulek. I also love the relationship that I'm sure came uh, between Alma and um, Zeezrom. Zeezrom, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because of the fact that they have both, they both had a lot of sinning and bad stuff in their past lives. Um, I mean, Alma's the perfect guy for Zeezrom to be like, look, man, I've been there. I know what this <laughs> is like. 
you're going to be okay. You're, you, you can still be a great missionary. Yeah. Yeah. No, and absolutely. And, and it's funny because, uh, yeah, obviously Zezrum is on his deathbed, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. And then doing well. Alma and Amulet come to him, and he's just immediately seeing them. He's like, oh, I feel so much better. And they yes. give him a blessing. They administer yeah. it to him. And, and then it sounds like what happens next is that they ordain him to be a priest. They ordain mm-hmm. a bunch of the believers there to be priests, and they, they go on missions of their own. Yeah. You know, and just keep that cycle of conversion going and become a great blessing to to everyone else. Of course, Ammonihah's gone, but it sounds like that probably was a needed thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That was, a, that was an area that was probably need, in need of dusting. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it got it. It got it, for turned, sure. Turned into dust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one other thing I noticed as I was just scrolling through, in Alma 16, verse 1, it says, on the fifth day of the second month, and if they were taking their calendar still by the Jewish calendar, the first month of the year is April. And so that would make the second month, May, the fifth day, May 5th, this is on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> really important to note, yeah. Just, you know, why else would Alma have put it in and Mormon felt the need to keep it? It was obviously because Cinco de Mayo and yeah, it doesn't talk about them eating tacos, but half, they should have half been. Half-priced tacos. Yeah, yeah, they should have been eating tacos on this day. <laughs> I'm sure they were. I, uh, that always yeah. stands out to me as something wildly important. <laughs> there, okay, he's, yeah, you got it marked. That's there. right. Important. Um, but other than that random note, anything else that you have that you got from this? Uh, no, I just chapter 16. I, it's kind of a catch-up chapter. It's kind of, oh, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And, oh, and by the way, Ammonihah was destroyed. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Uh, shouldn't have followed Nehor. Happen, yeah. Happened in a day. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, even like the language of it, I, I'm trying to it find it. It even but, says, and also. <laughs> yeah. It just talks about like, here it is. Every living soul of the Ammonihots was destroyed, and also their great city, which they said God could not destroy because of its greatness. But behold, in <laughs> one day it was left desolate. And the carcasses, the yeah, carcasses were mangled by dogs and wild beasts of the wilderness. And I was like, man, that's a, a grisly thing to put in there, Alma and Mormon. Yeah, it just sounds like Mormon's kind of mocking them there. Yeah, he's like, like because this of is their what greatness, happens. They thought they were so great, and it, and it's because they followed Nehor. Don't follow Nehor. He's yep. a pretty bad guy. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's funny because I feel like, you know, we could try and figure out who the Nihors of our day are, and it's pretty much any celebrity that's trying to yeah. turn people from God, yeah, turn pe- us from doing the right thing, all of that. There's some Nihors out there, yeah. Yeah. So don't follow them. That's or, the other challenge. Well, your great city will be destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, pray for... Pray for your cities that they don't get destroyed by the knee horse. (laughs) Start praying right now. That's right. It's the only thing that'll save us. Um, But yeah, anything else? That's it. That's all I got. I think that's fantastic. Well, Cameron, uh, I really do appreciate you joining me for this and uh, for helping me out. And as always, I want to hear anyone else that had uh, your thoughts. I want to hear insights you had or questions maybe. And let me know. But other than that, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you in the next one. Or at least I will. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me.